Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath or death. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we would call this maybe a feedback sandwich in that Paul is giving this to the Ephesians like, hey, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you, but also we're a bunch of sinners. But then also we get to sit with Jesus uh, at the the end of our life and when we get to heaven. Sorry, I'll just move some furniture there. Our Aussie cultural paradigm would read the first three or four verses of that and go, gee, that's a bit rough. He could sugarcoat that a little bit. But the Ephesians were actually okay with being matter of fact. Have you ever met someone from that part of the world, the Mediterranean? Even today, 2,000 years later, they're pretty matter of fact with direct language. So it's okay. So we should take off our Aussie white lens and, uh, and... and just read it as the Ephesians would of there. In Acts chapter 19, we read about what Ephesus is like. So in Acts chapter 19, there's this story of these seven sons, and they're the sons of a Jewish priest, and they're trying to do miracles in the name of Jesus, and I use inverted commas there. And because they're using the name of Jesus as a bit of an abracadabra kind of power, not from their heart, but as a bit of a a magic word to try and do miracles, these evil spirits in Ephesus actually overpower them, and they strip these guys naked, these evil spirits strip these guys naked and they flee out of Ephesus. And so there's another account in Acts 19 where uh, a guy called Demetrius, he's a silversmith, he's actually starting a riot. Him and all his mates start a riot because he uh, builds gods or trinkets to a god called Artemis. And uh, the groundswell of Christian activity in Ephesus means that he's losing business and Artemis is being attacked. And so they live in this really spiritual area, this spiritual time. And so the spiritual realm for the Ephesians isn't unusual. Us here in Australia, 2,000 years later, it's a bit unusual. We don't talk about the spiritual realm. We don't look for the spiritual realm. Phoebe last week was talking about how science is kind of steering towards this concept of dark matter, which really is the spiritual realm. And every religious person in the world is waiting for science to kind of come around and go, oh yeah, that dark matter, that's the spiritual realm. So we're just going to all give a slow clap to science when they finally reach that conclusion. Anyway... We're going to be a bit cheeky this morning. 
But Paul's words here are very strategic. So he's talking to a group of people who are very spiritual. And so this whole sin and angels and devil and and prince of the air, as we learn about there in verse 2, or ruler of the air, as it says in the NIV, is 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 showing where it all kind of lands in this power balance. And so the prince of the air, or Satan is actually the prince of the kingdom of the actual air. The Greek word eros is just the air, meaning he's just above earth but below heaven. So there's a bit of imagery there. But air is just nothing. You can't grab onto it. It doesn't do anything. It's just nothing. So he's actually saying that Satan is actually the prince or the king of, of, of nothing, the ruler of nothing. And so it's actually a bit of a jab. And so we see that... Um, the Ephesians are actually okay with taking these instructions that Paul uses. And he uses some harsh words here. He uses dead. He uses die, uh, death. And he uses wrath in these verses. Not a little bit unwell, not mm, on the balance of it all. No, they're really final, finite, powerful words. Death, wrath. It's, it's really strong language that he's using there so that he can paint this picture of the brutality and the consequence of sin. And when we're talking about, yeah, we, you didn't think that you were going to come and learn about sin this morning, did you? It's pretty heavy, but go with me here. So when we're talking about being dead, we're talking about spiritually Because you here this morning, you've felt the cold air on your skin, you've come to church, you feel the breath coming into you, you feel the croissant and the coffee just nourishing your body, you're feeling alive right now. But as Paul's talking about death, he's talking about spiritually. And so when we, when we sing our praises and we worship God, we're actually becoming alive in Christ as we allow the Spirit of God to come up out of us. As we pray, we invite the Spirit to come upon us. We're talking about being alive spiritually. Here's one thought that I'd like to pull out of this scripture this morning. Sin is our natural state. Now, I'm not going to get into a doctrine of um, are we inherently good or bad. That's another, another talk for another time. But what I'm talking about is that Paul makes it very clear that if we are human, and we are, then we are prone to sin. It's our default position. And most people would agree with me here. Now, people might say, oh, on the balance of it all, I fall on the good side of the fence. And most people do, I, I think. But, but I'm just going to illustrate the fact that we're not. We, we fall on the bad side. Ultimately, we'll never fall on the good side of the fence here. Here's what sin is, and here's what transgressions are. Ready? There's a definition of sin is that it's a perversion of heart, mind, disposition, and will. It's not just doing something wrong, but it's those four factors, heart, mind, disposition, and will. That means there's a lot of chances that we can sin. And a transgression is a stumbling aside or a false step. It's a whoopsie with a bit more consequence. Put it that way, into Aussie lingo. But sin is something that we can't get around and we can't shake off. And even in our woke, modern-day culture, we can't choose to identify as being sinless. We just can't do that. And so we just have to deal with our sin. And that's exactly what Paul is doing right in these verses. 
I want to I define sin with my own example using my four-year-old son, if you don't mind. So last weekend, we, had a, a, we have a little fire pit in our backyard, and I bought uh, our sons these packets of rainbow dust. So you open this packet, you sprinkle this rainbow dust on a fire, and the flames turn to rainbow. It's pretty cool. Um, very carcinogenic, but it looks cool. So anyway, so my four-year-old son was pouring this powder onto the fire, and he was doing it so regularly that it lost the effect of it. So the idea is it burns out, um, the, you put it on, the rainbow fire goes up, it burns out, and then you put some more on, yeah? That, that makes sense to me. So he was tipping too much on, and I said to him, do not put more on, just wait until the rest of it burns out. And he held a sachet over the, over the fire, looked at me, and then dropped it on the fire. And so I looked at him, we didn't, break, we didn't break eye contact, and I said, hey, I told you not to do that, you didn't have my permission to do it just then. And he looked at me, didn't break eye contact, and said, well, I don't like your permission. <laughs> now, let me explain sin with this example. Sin wasn't, sin wasn't dropping the sachet on the fire. Sin wasn't the timing of dropping it on or the regularity of doing it. No, the sin there was actually the willful disobedience of a command. So I created an opportunity for him to sin and he took it. A little sinner. <laughs> but we're all sinners. And so if, if that illustration leaves you confused a little bit, then that's kind of my point is that sin is so confusing and we will never figure out the detail of that. Romans 3.20 says, For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Point number two, we'll never be too mature or experienced in Christianity. Or read it this way for, for sports fans, you'll never turn pro as a Christian. You just won't. We're sinners. We're designed for community with God, but because of Adam and Eve, we are sinners. Original sin happens, and so we are tainted by that. And Paul elsewhere in the New Testament, he writes to the church in Philippi. And in Philippians, he says, So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Here's a quote for you. Humans have the desire to enjoy things, to obtain things, and to do things. That can be good or evil. A lot of the time it can be evil or sinful or transgressful, if that's a word. But I love this summary that Paul writes about in terms of sin in Romans 5, 18 to 19. It says, yes, Adam's one sin, sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Yay. Yay, yeah. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. That's why Jesus had to come down to earth as a human. He had to break through that spirit of the air, come down as a human and deal with sin so that we don't have to. It's the grace of God, this gift of salvation. Here's my third thought for the day. Remember the joy of your salvation. 
And that's what Paul talks about in verses 5, 6 and 7, in that he's, he's reminding them after giving them a, the feedback sandwich, the negative stuff, he turns it into the good news, the positive. And he talks about the joy of salvation. And if anyone knows about the joy of salvation, it's David in the scriptures. David, he, he knew how to sin, didn't he? He, he has some bad transgressions. Um, but he really knew how to come back and worship God and, and, to be, and make himself right with God. And he says this in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Salvation is that moment of release from captivity of sin, but it doesn't release us from the influence of sin. Let me say that again. Salvation is when we're released from captivity, but not influence of sin. So we're always going to be influenced by sin because of our humanity, because of Satan, because of the world that we live in. But we can always become uncaptured, uncaptured, you know what I'm saying, free. <laughs> we can always become free from sin as we hand it over to Jesus through prayer, through confession, and through remembering the joy of our salvation. And if you haven't had the opportunity to receive Jesus in your life, if you've never given it over to Jesus, then we're going to have opportunity at the end of this service to pray for that. But let's read through verse 4 and 5 just to highlight this good stuff, to finish with some good news. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sins, but God loved us so much he made us alive with Christ. Not dead because of sin, but alive with Christ. And God's gift of undeserved grace is what saves you. God raised us from death to live with Christ Jesus and he has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. What about that? We get a place beside Christ in heaven if we accept salvation. God did this so that in, future, in the future world he could show how truly good and kind he is to us because of what Jesus Christ has done. So when we get to heaven, we will have a better understanding of sin. We will be free from sin. But for now, we have to deal with it. And that's what Paul's giving to the Ephesians in this letter, is that sin, you'll have to deal with it. However, when we pass on into the next life, we won't ever have to ever again. It's dealt with and we'll be free from it. How good's that? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.